0: The illegal border crossing at Roxham Road in southern Quebec has seen an uptick of asylum seekers in recent months, taking us close to record levels we saw in 2017. The surge has some politicians calling for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to close the entry point once and for all, but some feel that will only cause more problems. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is Ten Three. 10-3. National Post political reporter Chris Nardi visited the area, and he joins me to discuss what he saw on the ground, what local officials have to say about the issue, and what some see as the most viable solution. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about the show. So Chris, for those who may not have been following The story, the goings on at the border between New York and Quebec over the last few years may not be familiar with the term. What is Roxham Road and where
1: is it? So Roxham Road is exactly what the name implies. It is a road, um, a very small country rural road uh, in a southern Quebec municipality called saint bernard de l'Acolle. And so to uh, locate some readers, it's basically a small road that's about five clicks west of an official border crossing at the same municipality called saint bernard de L'Ecole, Uh, And it connects Quebec to upstate New York. And what's particular with... uh with Roxham Road, is that it's essentially a road that crosses, that goes straight into the United States. So it's actually paved on the Quebec side, and then becomes a dirt road on the other side, on the US side. And really, the only thing that kind of indicates that there's an international land border there it's just it's a very small ditch so the road just kind of stops small ditch there's a white obelisk uh that really marks the border and then the road just continues on the other side so it's really just your average dirt country road um one of many along this 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 area this stretch of the border uh, just a few kilometers west of an uh, official border crossing and over the last
0: few years it's become a hub for people seeking asylum here in Canada. How did it become a place, a crossing point for for refugees claiming asylum in Canada? What's the history there?
1: So Roxham Road has always had somewhat of a trickle, one could call, of Asylum claimants coming through it, basically walking over the border. Um, And there's a variety of reasons for that. So it particularly started in 2004. In 2004, the United States and Canada signed what is called the Safe Third Country Agreement. They were basically ratifying uh, parts of a UN convention that indicated that um, an asylum seeker had to claim asylum in the first safe country that they landed in and since the US and Canada, uh, consider each other safe countries. What that meant was that if a migrant landed in the United States, they would not be allowed to then try to cross over into Canada and make a legal asylum claim. They would have to make it in the United States. But that Safe Third Country Agreement basically only applies to official border crossings, so airports or land borders or ports. Um, It does not extend to the whole border. So since 2004, since the STCA, as it's called, came into play, Migrants had noticed, and, and Roxham Road kind of became known a little bit in, in you know group chats, let's say, and, and WhatsApp and, and other you know messaging platforms as this kind of very convenient road, as I described earlier. It's basically just a long stretch of road that goes right into each country. And this convenient place where you could just kind of walk through. And if you walked over, since it wasn't an official land border, you would be allowed to make an asylum claim in the other country. But then it really, really exploded in popularity popularity. popularity in 2017, the summer of 2017, we're still, we're in the Trump presidency in the United States. There's a whole lot happening internally at the United States. Donald Trump has just promised to uh, basically revoke this temporary kind of visa program that the U.S. had set up for Haitians after the 2010, the devastating earthquake in 2010, and now is suddenly promising to and, and did end this, this program, which would basically mean that thousands and thousands of Haitians in the United States would be forced to return to their country. There's also the, the, the notorious, as we call it, the Muslim ban. So the ban, uh, from people, uh, that originated from a host of Muslim dominant countries in the Middle East really pushed a lot of, fear in the migrant and the asylum claiming populations in the United States. And so they started looking for ways that they could leave the country, but keep uh, their, you know, their asylum claim and or, or seek asylum elsewhere. And so Roxham Road just became suddenly better known amongst these communities as a place where you could just cross over into Canada and make a legal asylum claim. And you know, as these things go,es it started with the Haitians. The Haitians started crossing, and obviously, then you know they report back to their communities, either in the United States or back at home. Uh, they say, "Listen, I was successful. I actually got through, made an asylum claim, and I'm actually now being um, offered government service. the, the typical The typical um, uh, relocation, you know, helps and supports that Canada offers to all asylum seekers. Um, come, try it. And so it did, and it snowballed. And by the summer of 2017, by August, we recorded the highest number of migrants crossing Roxham Road, which was 5,200 in a single month. And as it grew popular, basically, that you know more people found out about it. Other people around the world and other countries started using it, and that's how we got to where we are now. And
0: so you mentioned Haiti. You mentioned some of these these muslim majority countries that were the subject of this ban from the Trump administration where else are asylum seekers coming from now like in the last 5 6 years has it has the flow of people changed from those countries to other countries
1: it has it has mostly grown and you will see people from really all around the, cor- the, the you know four corners of the world. Um, so I was there a few weeks ago just to, to watch, to see what's going on, because uh, we are currently seeing a really significant rise in the number of people passing through Roxham Road. Um, and we're approaching those August 2017 record levels. And it's quite incredible how many people from various backgrounds, uh, you know, see just in the two days that I was there, I saw Kurds, I saw Latin Americans from really just a host of Latin American countries uh, I saw people from the Middle East I saw Haitians um they're they're really insofar as it is relatively um how to say I don't want to say simple <laughs> being a you know traveling for migrants is never never simple obviously but I i like I'll say for example I didn't notice personally many Asian, You know, Asian asylum seekers, people from Asian countries. I suspect that there, at one point, the distance does play, especially if you're fleeing your country. Obviously, you're rarely doing it from, um, you know, an airplane or or whatnot. Um, But absolutely many, many people from Latin America abroad, broadly. There were Africans as well, a lot of Africans, and a lot of people who are actually now flying in from what I'm told, um, flying in, for example, all around the world to Florida. And then there's this system, for example, of, you know, some call them coyotes, they're not exactly coyotes in the sense that they don't help you pass across the border, but they will basically, you can rent a bus or a small shuttle from Florida and they will drive you right up to Roxham Road. So there's, there's quite a developed infrastructure, but they're coming from all around the world now.
0: And as you mentioned, you went to the community there. You visited the crossing. Like, what did you witness happening to these asylum seekers
1: as they reach the border, as they cross the border? What, like, how does it work there? It's interesting to watch it with your own eyes. Because over the two days that I was there, I saw all sorts of scenarios play out of people coming in. So the first thing I noticed, for example, so like I said, on the US side, and Road is just a really long dirt road. And so what is not uncommon to see at set times of the day, when the buses come in from New York to Plattsburgh, which is nearby, um, is that you'll then see kind of a caravan of taxis, uh, these yellow taxis that come down this long dirt road, and then they'll arrive at the end of the road. It's kind kind of like a semicircle, and um, it'll basically open up and you'll have migrants come out. So the first thing I noticed, for example, was what appeared to be a family of Haitians, two adults, three children, about eight or nine pieces of luggage. And they came out, they pay the taxi. And basically, you know, you have to imagine it's you know—it's this long road with this kind of clearing at the end of it where the, the border is. And on the Canadian side now, uh, what used to be just a road has now some pretty significant border and RCMP installations to, they call them quote unquote temporary, but these large kind of mobile barn-like structures that uh, they've got generators, they've got bathrooms, they've got permanent police station there, they've got a triage center. I mean, they, in this center, they literally have a luggage scanning you know, equipment. So um, they, they, the, the migrants arrive, they get to the border, two RCMP agents will come out and they'll immediately tell them, hello, you are in the United States, this is not a legal border crossing. If you cross over the border here, it is illegal and you will be arrested. And then basically what the border agents, quote unquote, need to hear before anyone passes, and it's not that they're inviting them in, but what they need to hear the migrants say is two things. The word Canada, as in that they are aware that they are crossing over the border into Canada, and refugee, as in they are coming to seek refugee uh, status. And once those two things are, are, are said, sometimes easily, because the people speak English or French, or very difficult, as in the case of this Kurdish family that I saw that came didn't speak a word of either, and it took about 10 minutes, and a lot of Google Translate to get those two words out of them. Um, but as soon as those two words are spoken, they'll cross over the border. They are then technically arrested, but you won't see handcuffs. You won't see them be swarmed by police. Basically, they're quote-unquote arrested. They're brought into this this big facility uh, and there they'll be triaged. They'll be uh, scanned. They'll get a health check to make sure that there's no imminent health concerns because it's very cold. As you can imagine, a lot of these people don't have you know, proper winter gear. Heck, I barely have. Proper winter gear sometimes, and I've lived here for 25 years. So, uh, you know, they'll be health scanned, uh, there'll be a background check, and then they will fill out some of the paperwork to begin their asylum claim before they're shipped off by bus to another formal border and security agency center at the actual official border crossing five kilometers away to be processed. But you'll basically see, and then in other cases, you'll just see people walking down the American side of Roxham Road, this long stretch, and they'll get there. Like I said, sometimes very difficult language barriers. For for the RCMP agents to address, um, to be able to communicate with the people that are crossing. Some of them have 10 pieces of luggage. Some of them have literally what appears to be their whole life belongings in a single plastic bag. Um, So a large variety of, let's say, experiences and scenarios when coming across the border. But ultimately, once they get across the border, it's a very similar experience. They all go through the same triage. They're all technically arrested. In almost all the cases, the charges will be dropped. And that's how it works. We'll be right back.
0: Now, did you have a chance to speak with RCMP officer or border services officers there or, or, you know, about kind of their experience or what their thoughts are on this kind of influx of people coming in across the border?
1: I did. I did. And uh, I also spoke a lot to the mayor of the community in Quebec, where Roxham Road is located, Saint-Bernard de l'École. And it it was interesting. So the RCMP agents, in some cases, were very kind and very talkative and, and would give excellent examples of how sometimes it can be incredibly difficult, like I said, to communicate with migrants who want to pass simply because they don't speak any English or French. Like how do you, How do you make sure that someone who is crossing the border illegally understands what they are doing and what they are coming to do if you don't speak a word of their language and they don't speak a word of yours, right? And that is absolutely one of the challenges. Another thing that I thought was very interesting that RCMP agents shared with me was that um, basically, often they'll notice that migrants will come in waves. There'll be a wave early in the morning, about 6-ish AM, and then another one in the afternoon, about 3.30 PM. And um, they say, and it does seem to coincide with, like I mentioned earlier, the bus schedule, the bus schedule coming in from New York to Plattsburgh. We now know that the mayor of New York City had set up has set up this uh, program where the city will basically pay for bus tickets of asylum seekers who want to relocate from New York City to elsewhere in the country. Um, And it just so happens that a lot of those people want to relocate to Canada. So they'll take the free bus ticket from New York City, from New York straight to Plattsburgh. And then from Plattsburgh, we'll just get a taxi all the way to Roxham Road for the last... I'd say roughly 20, 25 kilometers. So they've noticed border agents that it does come in waves. The bus schedule kind of matches the, um, the, the wave of arrivals at the border. And then the other thing they noticed is just the, the, the very kind of developed and somewhat complex industry that has developed on the American side to get people to the border. So I mentioned earlier, they've noticed, for example, a lot of Haitians now, instead of flying into Plattsburgh, presumably is less expensive to fly into Florida, And then from Florida, there's all these people, legal or illegal taxis, that set up these shuttle services where they will take you for four or 500 US dollars, maybe for a whole family, load you up into a small shuttle and drive you up right to the border. There are taxis at the Plattsburgh bus terminal, Greyhound bus terminal, where it is literally written on the side of the taxi, Roxham Road. So there's a, a business that has developed as well around the migrants that are trying to Come to Canada, make an asylum claim through Roxham Road, and RCMP agents have have noticed it, are concerned about it, but there's not much they can do about it. Quite frankly, it's all happening in the U.S. And that for that specifically.
0: And what about the mayor of the community? I, I can't imagine that a small Quebec border town is really equipped to handle five thousand people coming through in a month, all seeking. Asylum, needing services, like what does the mayor have to say about the response from the federal government, the situation in general, and even what her
1: constituents think? Well, she's very cognizant of how complex of an issue is. She's uh, so her name is Estelle Musy. She is the mayor of saint bernard de lacadie since 2021, but was a city councillor on council uh, for well over a decade before that. So she's very. Very acutely aware of this whole issue from beginning to end, and there's, there's, I'd say that she has a lot of thoughts about it, and they're very um, nuanced. So, first of all, she's obviously very empathetic, and so are the residents that I spoke to who live on Roxham Road. Um, They're very empathetic to the plight of the migrants. None of them want to see any of them writhing in the in the street, you know, freezing and, and dying like there have been. Because before Roxham Road kind of became this let's say, structured border, temporary border crossing that's illegal. Um, there were still people passing, as I mentioned, but they basically did so ad hoc. they try to go through the forest around the area. They'd take other, because Roxham Road is really just the, the largest, the widest of a, a system of streets that go along the border, quite frankly, you know, just a few hundred meters from each other. So it's not exception. You can't, you know, you can't just close Roxham Road and expect people to stop passing. They'll just take one of the roads next to it, for example. Um, So she's very cognizant of that, but obviously there has been an impact on the people of her municipality. Um, The fact that now there's this huge setup at the border means that there's noise, there's light, there's constant police passing of trucks and vans uh, that are shuttling migrants that arrive at the border and then need to be brought to triage facilities. But also another interesting issue is this growing issue of people who are using surrounding streets to go from canada to the united states so there has been a noticeable uptick in people namely mexicans for now but mexicans flying into montreal because they don't require a visa and then walking through the can canadian from the canadian side to the u.s side to be able to, to basically make their way into the U.S. via the northern border and so the southern border, but they don't do that via Roxham Road because it's so open, it's so obvious that they'd immediately be intercepted by border guards uh, on the American side. So what they're doing now is they're going through other the forest, basically, but that th- those forests are in the backyard of residents. So residents see people walking through. They see these these groups kind of trudging through the snow, and you know, and some of them are dying. Um, we've heard two reports in the last few months of migrants trying to get from the Canada to the U.S. who have died because of the cold. So that is a big concern for her. Um, but ultimately, the solution is out of her hands. She can't do anything about it, and her frustration really lies with the federal government because you know, for her, this is a federal problem. They need to renegotiate the Safe Third Country Agreement with the United States to extend it to the entirety of the border, not just official border crossings. And that hasn't happened. And she does think that it makes the Trudeau government look soft, that this uh, issue has been lasting for so long. Um, and she really would like Trudeau to put this on the plate you know, and really make this a top schedule item for when American President Joe Biden visits uh, Canada uh, towards the end of March.
0: So there are are politicians in Canada who say that the Trudeau government needs to address Roxham Road by closing Roxham Road, and there are others who say that, that wouldn't really solve the problem. And then looking at the safe third country agreement, the US doesn't appear to believe that there's an issue with the safe third country agreement, or at least outwardly isn't saying that they're necessarily open to renegotiating it. So what is the solution here? Is it really applying pressure on the Americans? Is it actually closing Roxham Road? Is it a combination of things?
1: I think the general consensus, and I tend to agree with it, is that the only way that the the, the, the flow at, will stop at my at Roxham Road and just generally across the border um, of illegal crossings will be to extend the safe third country agreement to the entirety of the border. Uh, instead of just the land crossings, um, and the reason for that is uh, multi-pronged. But the first is is other solutions. So you mentioned other solutions, closing Roxham Road. So we talked about that earlier, and I talked about that with the mayor of saint valmont de Col. And like I said, it, it's not a viable solution because Roxham Road is just one of many many roads across that that cross over the border in a similar fashion, and. In many ways, actually, the way that Roxham Road has become developed as kind of an ad hoc, almost semi-official border crossing with, you know, permanent police set up and CBSA set up has actually alleviated a lot of the pressures on the community because now there's a steady stream of people that come through one predictable location that are immediately intercepted by police and triaged and thus don't do what used to happen, which was walk across the border at any one of a dozen or a hundred potential spots, um, walk through people's yards, get caught, seek refuge in people's homes, or possibly face, you know, medical emergencies or even die on the crossing over, right? It, it kind of created this funnel for migrants to come through. And it was really alleviated pressure on the local community to worry about, uh, you know, to, who used to have to worry about where people were crossing, and if they'd have you know, if they'd find, unfortunately, a body or, or a struggling family in the backyard one morning, right? So closing Roxham Road, even though it is a solution that has been uh, pushed by opposition politicians, by Pierre Poilievre, by the, the the Premier of Quebec, François Legault, really does not appear to be a viable solution. Another solution that has been proposed by some is to suspend the Safe Third Country Agreement. So basically. Suspend all the, the 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 illegality, let's say, of passing through or claiming making an asylum claim at an official port of entry if you're coming in from the United States. Um, but that I spoke to that with Immigration Minister Sean Fraser uh, recently, and he said that is entirely not on the table. And the reason for that is because it would it would just really kind of move the problem. And he's afraid that by suspending the safe third country agreement, what would actually happen was that it would send out a message to you know, as, you know uh, migrants around the world that Canada is more open than it is and thus encourage them to make what can be an extremely perilous journey from their country to Canada um, in the hopes of making an asylum claim at the border, right? And that's not a message that Canada wants necessarily to send. They want, Canada wants to welcome migrants. It wants to accept asylum claimants but it wants to do so in kind of the safest way possible i guess if i can put it that way and to suspend the safe third country agreement would basically for the federal government to like slam doors wide open and say please come make whatever perilous journey that you need to make to get here and please come so what does that leave us what well, really leaves us with uh, uh, you know renegotiating the safe third country agreement with the united states ex- and extending it to the entire border now what's the issue with that well the issue is is that the Safe Third Country Agreement, as it stands, is very convenient for the U.S. administration. Why? Well, because you have thousands of people who are leaving the United States and making asylum claims in Canada. Um, and I'm going to say this in kind of the most crude way possible, but in a way, it's it, it, they're passing the, 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 the costs. I don't want to say the problem. If you know, Obviously, migrants are not a problem, but basically, migrants are not a problem for the United States if they come to Canada, right? And so it's actually very convenient to the United States right now that the migrants are arriving in the US and then immediately leaving because they don't have to think about them, they don't have to be concerned, especially for a Biden administration that is getting hammered by Republicans on border issues. So I think what it'll take, quite frankly, and this is you know as awful as it sounds, it's gonna take more people, more migrants coming from Canada into the US from the northern border. For the Biden administration to be like, oh shoot, okay, this is now becoming an issue for us as well. We need to figure this out with our American, with our Canadian counterparts, and that appears to be happening already through meetings between Fraser and his American counterpart uh, Alejandro Mayorkas um, in, in recent weeks. So changes possibly on the horizon, but there was definitely very, uh, there was very little willingness from the United States up until now.
0: Well, it's certainly a complicated issue. I appreciate your reporting on it, and and we'll see how negotiations may transpire between Canada and the U.S. if we get to that point. Chris, thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dave. 10.3 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Nardi. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.